Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Royal Universe read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host, Fran, and welcome to the show. Today, we continue our timeline journey as we move on with the Lightning Thief story. With chapter 13, I plunge to my death, and chapter 14, I become a known fugitive. As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got character relationships and development, and just generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. The friendship of Perka Beth, and yes, that is the right way to say it, has raised anchor as Percy's nightmares continue with a literal plummet from a building with a mixture of daddy issues, crime, and general anxiety of what is to come in future. But don't worry, it's not like the whole country is looking... Oh wait, no, they are. You're in trouble, guys. And that's basically chapter 13 and chapter 14 in a sort of nutshell, really. Um, And yeah, no, the, the gang are really not... They are not doing well. They are They are not having the time of their lives. This is not dirty dancing, guys. This is... um hope you don't die kind of dancing <laughs> no but they no I don't, I don't know where i was going with that what film could i reference to this i don't so okay my room has changed around so usually when i'm trying to make references i look at my dvd case and see like my dvds i'm like ah this is a movie i can make a reference to because i know it because i have the dvd but um with everything that's going on, my room was becoming quite claustrophobic, and that's actually a point that I will talk about later. But yeah, my room is feeling claustrophobic, so we were just we being my mother and I um, were just moving things about, and now my DVD, my DVDs, are like in the corner of my room behind my chest of drawers, just because my TV is broken, um, and it doesn't work properly and laptops no longer have cd things to put cd uh, cds yeah no there is it's a cd thing that you can also put dvds in they don't do them anymore for laptops because the world is stupid um so it's very difficult so we put it there because i don't really have much need for it being in open <coughs> oh my god i just went through puberty then jesus uh, <laughs> nope jesus is the wrong thing who mm, throw Apollo okay we can blame Apollo in this sense Apollo stop messing with my vocal cords man trying to do a podcast but you know I I don't know where I was going with that reference and I can't make a reference any further because I don't have my DVDs to look at um I'll look at my bookshelf see if I can make a good reference um 
Oh, Holes could be a good reference here, actually. I can't see the author's name, but um, Holes is all about crimes that you didn't commit and having to deal with the consequences. Yeah, okay, Holes is a good reference here because Percy is basically... Oh, God, what's his name? What is the main character's name? Oh, Stanley Yelnats, because it's Stanley backwards for his last name. Stanley, yeah, Percy's basically Stanley Yelnats. He's having to pay for a crime he didn't commit in both senses. He didn't steal the lightning bolt, and he didn't kill his mother or blow things up. He, he's not a fugitive, he's not a criminal, but um, everyone and their mother think thinks that he is. So he's basically Stanley Yelnats in holes, and he's having to deal with all the drama of what is the detention centre place where they dig holes in holes and he's having to deal with all of that and he's making friends as well because Annabeth Grover, you know, friendships I don't know where I have to go with this I haven't even started talking about the chapters and I'm already kind of making a lot of analyses and yes, if you guys haven't noticed I have changed my opening now for uh, for the podcast because from my past well, from the whole podcast series the analyses that I've been doing while there is like the sort of read-along aspect of talking about what's going on in the chapters I do do more of the analytical side of things and I like that a lot more so I feel like I it made sense for me to include that in my introduction now because it's not a read-along it's doing some of the read-along talking about the chapters but then mainly analyzing them as a whole so it just kind of made more sense to me um but yeah, actually, no, before I do start, and I know I was meant to start ages ago, but this is this is life now, guys. You should be used to this utter madness that is me. Um, before I start properly, I do want to give a quick shout out to the musician for the theme music. So the theme music that you guys hear at the start, me giving that shout out to Taylor Paisley French. I want to give another one to him here right now because Taylor, firstly, is a fantastic bloke like I adore him he's such a lovely guy um and he's just started his own music youtube channel predominantly doing uh the series called if t wrote if taylor wrote basically of him doing his own renditions and styles of songs already out there kind of like it's, as he describes it it's like doing a glorified cover but kind of different um and it's based on a, if anyone's heard of Kurt Hugo Schneider he's done something similar like that as well in um, the way in which he, he'll listen to a song or he'll change it completely and kind of give it a new s- spin. And that's kind of what Taylor's doing now. So his YouTube channel you can find by searching Taylor Paisley French, but I'll also link it in the episode notes. Um, by the time this episode goes out, there'll be two videos up on the channel, but, and he's got new ones coming out every Sunday at 8pm Um is it Greenwich Standard Time? Is that British time? 8pm British time. That's when the the videos come out. Um, so if you guys are able to support, subscribe, like his videos, check his content out, as well as go check out his EPs. Um, they're available on Spotify, iTunes and all that good stuff. So go support him as best you can. And yeah, I just wanted to do that because Taylor has been a really great guy. Like doing the theme music for this podcast, supporting the podcast as a whole, and just generally just being a really nice bloke. So to Taylor and also to his lovely girlfriend Tony, uh, just you guys are awesome and I hope you're having a great day when this episode comes out and 
whenever you guys hear this. And yes, yeah, so this I just wanted to do a quick shouty outy. And that's what I'm going to call them now. They're not shout outs, they're shouty outies. <laughs> uh, before getting into the proper main bit of the, the podcast, which is what the podcast is about Percy Jackson. Um, so, of course, because 13 become becomes before 4. <sighs> comes before 14. We will be starting with chapter 13, I Plunge to My Death. And this is the overview of chapter 13. Man, Percy is literally the most unlucky person. Also, Gabe sucks, but that's not much of a surprise. The mist is also helped by the fact that mortals generally have a complete and utter lack of awareness. And as a mortal, I can completely back that up. I am never aware of anything that's going on in my life. And yes, Percy, communication is key. Especially when it concerns dark, shadowy, evil figures. Annabeth's devastating past is revealed further. Man, her dad sucks. But also, yay to confidant Percy and him being supportive. Also, her evil stepmom is evil. Um, also, lol, fully disproved myself with the fact that Annabeth wasn't six when she ran away. She definitely was seven because she says she was seven when she ran away. So um, that's my bad. Um, everyone on YouTube, you can, you know, go rip me to shreds in the comment section of that video I did on Annabeth. And anyone who wants to email in and do the same, you are welcome to do it because I made a dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, also, claustrophobia is a thing with Percy. Interesting. Yes, Percy, the most wanted boy and demigod, you should clearly be the one to stay behind. Oh God. Oh no, sorry. Oh God's. Percy is the sweetest Percy. And yes, I'm including all the Percys in the world. No one can stand against this Percy. This Percy is the greatest and sweetest Percy. If you're a bird, I'm a dead man, Percy. You're a, you're a dead man. You, you jumped off a building heading for water. You may think you're a bird, but you are dead. He's probably not because, you know, there's a multitude of other chapters but he should be dead <laughs> but yes that is the overview for chapter 13 i plunge to my death i don't know why i suddenly went david attenborough with my accent but um i rather like it actually now as you see in the distance there i don't know where i was going with that i took it too far I took that too far Right, anyway, so um, I mentioned earlier that I was going to talk about claustrophobia. Now, I have that a little bit, and it's mainly tied into my depression anxiety. If things are starting to get on top, of, on top of me, I can feel quite claustrophobic, hence the moving around of stuff in my room. Um, and Percy's claustrophobia, this isn't going into my analysis of character relationships and dynamics and stuff. This is just something that I found really interesting, um, just with the whole two chapters in general, and also just kind of with Percy being a son of Poseidon in general. His claustrophobia of, like, confined spaces is interesting to me, because with the confined space, I would have found it interesting if, at least at this point, and I'm not going to obviously do spoilers for Heroes of Olympus and all the other series, but in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, 
Thus far, there is no concern that Percy has of drowning. And this is obviously going... I'm slightly spoiling a little bit of chapter 14 before going into it. But um, I would have thought that, if anything, his claustrophobia would still be very present when he is in the water. Because I, I know my claustrophobia means I, I can't even have baths. Like, I'm strictly a shower person. I know that's not a visual that I should be giving. But baths and just kind of bodies of water make me feel quite claustrophobic and I just I just don't like bodies of water they really kind of freak me out quite a lot and if Percy has claustrophobia I mean I don't know if it was just because he just didn't like the box that they were in for the arch was it the arch yeah no I, yeah it was the, I'm just gonna say it's the arch um and yeah so it could just be because of that specific situation but if he has claustrophobia as a whole I think it would have been so interesting for him to have a slight disconcerting feeling whilst being in the water later on in chapter 14. I just kind of want to mention it now because it's brought up in this chapter and I'll go a bit more into it in the next chapter possibly. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting that considering that being in water you are completely surrounded the entire time, there's like, there's no getting away from it. You think a sense of claustrophobia would build up in that moment but I don't know it's just it's something that stood out to me and I thought it was really quite interesting hence my um summary point of claustrophobia for Percy interesting because <laughs> it's interesting to me but let's go on to the main points that I want to focus on for this chapter and that is character relationships and character I said dynamics before didn't I I meant to say character development why did I write well I maybe I did say dynamics no what? No, I want to say... <laughs> okay, I pro clearly must have said dynamics because I keep saying dynamics when I mean development. Character development is what I'm focus on, focusing on as well as relationships. I'm going to focus on the character relationships this time. So, you know, with um, the previous chapters, 12 and 11, other than the whole Medusa thing, which obviously I'm not going to talk about now, I got all my ranting out about that in the last... Uh, chapters so I'm all good now but the uh, chapter 12 I also wasn't the biggest fan of just because it just didn't feel like anything was happening the only thing I thought was nice about it was this building of the relationship between Grover and Percy and that's what I liked about this chapter is because we're getting this development with Annabeth and Percy now this chapter as a whole was very Annabeth and Percy focused which it's obviously considering the previous is all about growing Percy this was a good addition it's showing the kind of the differences between their relationships which as you all know I am for lack of a better term a hoe for character relationships and development <laughs> just as a whole and I love seeing the developing relationships of these characters it's just it's just so well done um well what was cool with with this as a whole is we're kind of seeing them understanding each other a lot more to the point that they both open up to each other like um Annabeth's backstory and the sadness of it all and actually I do want to read a section of it because just for me reading that was actually really it's just kind of really upsetting to think how much she must have gone through and then also Percy's reactions relating to what happens so this is slightly after Percy kind of attempting to console her a little. But this is the thing, so 
it's kind of the upsetting part really she says he doesn't care about me she said his wife my stepmom treated me like a freak she wouldn't let me play with her children my dad went along with her whenever something dangerous happened you know something with monsters they would look at me resentfully like how dare you put our family at risk finally i took the hint i wasn't wanted i ran away and then it goes on a little bit more with percy basically wanting to learn a bit more about it and asking questions and then the moment she does start to close up he does stop so he's recognizing these limits that annabeth has same with annabeth with percy as well they both are starting to know when each other is hitting their limit of being able to confide in someone because i have the same thing like i can be confiding into someone about something that's going on something that's personal to me and i can get to a point where i just can't say anything else anymore just because it's too much for me to even say let alone to tell someone else um but you know i just like it i like that he does try to console her in various different ways one in asking questions and asking certain things after hearing about the whole stepmother situation and before that when she talks about her dad being disappointed and clearly resentful of her existence and he brings up how grover mentioned that his mum married gabe to keep him safe maybe that's what her dad was doing when he married her stepmom so he's trying he's trying to find ways to kind of console her because he can tell that she's unhappy and angry and upset and he he's trying to do his best and i think he's just the bestest boy and i think that's it's what kind of makes him and annabeth's friendship at this starting point really good because we're just getting the development here like we're still having moments of like bickering like um when she talks about how she wants to be an architect she's seeing all these architectural buildings she she responds with oh i want to do that someday and he thinks it's kind of ridiculous because probably in his head he's like she's adhd and dyslexic like me too like this seems kind of silly um and she snaps back at him and is just kind of just as annoyed by what he's saying and then he talks about you know it'd be great if we could try and get along and she's she agrees and they kind of have this discussion about even there was a time when their parents who feud and it shouldn't lead to them feuding either but there was a time that their parents both joined forces to create the chariot athena created the chariot poseidon created horses to drive the chariot um i just i just like that we are getting this this development like even what what's even nicer is that when he does hear that she wants to be an architect and he does obviously make fun of her at the start in a sense but the moment they get to the arch building and all this sciencey stuff and well not sciencey stuff architectural stuff that she starts talking about he lets her talk about it and even kind of enjoys it in a sense like when they are there and he he talks about how kind of boring it is just like it'd be really boring if it weren't for annabeth telling us all these fascinating stuff about all the different monuments as well as you know eating jelly beans with grover but like it's just that development of their relationship like he's not making fun of annabeth because he knows it's important to her from their previous relationship 
relationship from their previous discussion. I mean, I just, I, I, I really quite like that. And it's just, it's this small building of this relationship between them and kind of gives an insight to what's to come in future because he has understood her limits of what things he can make fun of and what things he can't. And she is in turn doing that. Like, she reassures him about the fact that the press are kind of going after him, saying, you know, it will be fine, you'll be fine, because he's getting anxious. And then he also confines it, confides in her about his nightmares and his concerns and confusion about it, and they work together. So all these things are basically the building blocks and foundation for the beginning of this friendship. And it's just in this one chapter that you kind of get lots of different moments of them having this back and forth of oh I've upset Annabeth because I made fun of something that she cares about resolves that by listening to her talk about these things and not ridicule her in fact actually be quite interested in what she's talking about then with Annabeth it's knowing that he's nervous about all these things with the press knowing that he's nervous about these dreams and consoling him on both elements and trying to kind of make him feel better and then just kind of going on from that, because that is the two of them developing as well. And that goes on to character dev... dev- <sighs> what is English? It is something I cannot speak. <laughs> um, character development is a big thing that I think comes across in both of these chapters. But particularly chapter 13. So, with obviously chapter 13 being a very Annabeth and Percy-centric chapter, we are getting to see this development for the both of them. Mainly for kind of Annabeth, in my opinion. Like, up until this moment, she'd been appearing as quite bossy, entitled, a little bit standoffish. And now that we have more of her story, her bonding and working with Percy, and also kind of keeping spirits up in away we're getting this new side of her she's supporting Percy and not putting him down minus her one snap at him after he made fun of her architecture thing but their relationship is developing and in turn she is developing by opening up like she's told more about her backstory she's explained more about what it was like at home and what her father was like and what her stepmother is like and actually I didn't bring this up before but I just realised that in that segment that I read she doesn't refer to her dad and her stepmother's children as her brothers or I can't remember what gender the kids are but she doesn't refer to them as her siblings they're her children her stepmother's children not her family that's how ostracised she was and that's a little bit of development there too in both relationship and character development because she feels completely ostracized by that family to the point that she doesn't even see them as a family because in her mind they didn't see her as part of that family either with that phrase of look what you've done to our family you are causing damage to our family excluding her from that that unit And to open up something about that to someone that only a few days ago was like a complete stranger. 
shows that she is changing as a character, shows that she is improving as a character. And just, I think it's a really, really nice moment. And just kind of, just as a whole, we're just kind of getting more of a sense of her kind of tragic life, really. Like, even Percy notes that when she comes to the nearing point and when he does actually back off, she's becoming lost to sad thoughts in in that moment. So she has a lot of sadness in her life, but thus far, other than these moments when she's talked about her past, she has been a bit of like a sort of a happy, not a happy-go-lucky, but as in she's been happier than what we had seen of her before. She seems to be having a good time in a way. Not in that, yes, we're in mortal danger, this is great, but more of a, I've got friends my own age, I've got people who care about me, I've got people who are interested in stuff about me. Like we had before of Persky, Persky? Percy risking his life with the kindly ones to save Grover and Annabeth. Maybe Annabeth no, thought no one would ever actually do that for her. They would happily leave her to die because she's never had that connection. I don't know, but I think it's just really interesting that she's developing and building these relationships and that these relationships are developing as a whole. But then with Percy, his development, I think, is just as interesting. It's small and subtle, but it is interesting. And it comes near the end of this chapter, really. Where we kind of have him as this, obviously he's the reluctant, angry hero of our story. But he is one of the most selfless people out there and in the series. Like his fight with the, the chimera on uh, on the, I don't remember, the bridge. No, it's not, is it a bridge? The skyline thing, the, the top of the building. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um... But his fight with the Chimera, like, was the biggest showcase of this for me as a whole. He was so much more concerned for the mortals who were on that deck than anything else. Even his own life and safety. He threw himself off the bridge, more so than anything, to save the people. Or at least in hopes of saving them. His words are, if I die if I throw myself off this maybe the monster will leave these mortals alone that is his only thought yes he's he's scared about dying he's scared about what will happen but his main thought is I don't want these people to get hurt I will sacrifice myself hoping that they will be left alone because the target is gone now while we've seen his actions in this sense of like of being selfless with people he considers close to him and his friends again like what i mentioned with with the kindly ones and him revealing himself to protect grover and annabeth that was like the first moment showing of his selflessness but now we're seeing that his selflessness is for anyone and everyone it doesn't matter who you are if you are in danger often because of him or just in general he will do anything in his power to save that person or people. And I just think that is amazing. And that's why Percy is awesome. And that is my 
Final thoughts for chapter 13. Now, uh, let us move on. Sound like I said, let us. Let us live, as they say on Legend of Portalcast, which you should go listen to, as well as the Arrowpod and Beyond Bending, because I love all those guys. Shout out to all the Avatar podcasts out there. Woot woot. But, um, moving on. Yes, so, uh, chapter 14, I become a known fugitive. And this is the summary. Percy is a comedian, and I am here for it. Percy is the new Aquaman. Jason Momoa, move aside. We've a new king of the sea. Also, Sally raised him right. You thank people for saving your life. It's courteous. Yes, Tariq, subtle environmentalism here with the disgusting levels of what's in the water with garbage everywhere. My heart momentarily rips itself into utter pieces when Percy says mum for the water spirit. Ouchie. Percy does seem to draw drama to him. Intentionally or not, it's kind of hilarious. The trio's budding friendship is everything. But of course, the news recognises him, and now he is literally a fugitive on the run. Oh, gods. And that is the summary of chapter 14. Now, for this chapter, we will mainly be looking at character development. But as I mentioned before, in relation to claustrophobia, Percy's ability to basically live underwater in a sense, to not get wet, to be surrounded by bodies of water, to be able to breathe at low levels in the the river itself and have no struggles whatsoever i do feel it should have set off a little bit of claustrophobia you are surrounded I, why am i still talking like that i was meant to stop after a while but i carried on going but you know i do kind of feel like his claustrophobia should have had a moment here like you've just kind of come to and realized that you are sunken to the bottom of i think it was the mississippi river I don't know if it was in America. I think it was the Mississippi River, which is disgusting from the sound of it. But the Thames ain't no better, so I can't judge. Um, I say like I live in London. I don't live in London, but the Thames is disgusting. Um, and where was I going with that? Yeah, I just feel like the claustrophobia element should have come in. Like, he is literally surrounded by body of water that could crush him at any moment or... It's like that thing that people say that if you go to a, if you keep swimming down, down, down into the ocean, eventually, like your head will explode because it's just built up pressure, um, and that's what basically Percy is is in currently. He's at a point where his head technically should be bursting from, I don't know if pressure or at least lack of oxygen, but he can breathe and but he's just surrounded by this body of water that could kill him at any moment, really. And yes, claustrophobia isn't set off. Oh no, I feel like it should have been, and I'm slightly disappointed that it, it isn't. I'm not going to say anything further because I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no character development was another point in in this chapter. Admittedly, there isn't too much that does happen in this chapter. It was kind of short and not too much happened in there, but there was kind of enough 
development aspect for Percy as a character for it to kind of work in that regards um I, I suppose the kind of thing here is his development in this section is relating to him being a kid kind of just for one it it shows that while he is putting on sort of a bit of a brave face he is still deeply affected by what happened to his mum and then also is desperately wanting his dad's love and affection so when this water spirit I don't think we get her name actually when this water spirit comes and says that his dad I think it says that his dad is um proud of him I can't remember what the wording was now um I don't think I wrote it down uh did I write it down I did not I did not at all um oh no believes in him his dad believes in him that was it your dad uh, your father believes in you I think was the phrasing but I think it's just really interesting because this is something we have seen and recognized in the books thus far is that demigods desperately want whether they want to admit it or not and we know Percy has tried to deny it many times they want their godly parents attention and affection and kind of just their love really like they feel so forgotten about and uncared for that they are in desperate need for it like all these kids basically have daddy and mummy issues like to next level extremes um well not next level there are worse levels but you know what i mean and percy has been in denial of this like he has currently the the daddy issues thing in terms of poseidon but he also has mummy issues in i sound i don't like saying mummy daddy issues because it sounds really bad but like he's got these current issues of he has lost his mother he's seen that happen but he believes that there should be a way for him to be able to bring her back and then he's also got issues with his dad in that he feels he has been abandoned by him and forgotten and basically being led as a lamb to slaughter by his own father because of everything that's going on and it's kind of true his dad is literally almost leading him to his own doom because it's going to benefit Poseidon to prove either that his son didn't do it. I, I don't even know but Poseidon is basically not a good guy in this regards not that it's ever shown in the books but we're going to talk about that until later <laughs> yeah I keep finding new points to be really angry about and I just I, I like that I'm angry about things because it's a lot there's I have lots of rage it's possibly not a good thing but um, I'm just looking at my I have like a whiteboard in my in my room usually for like when I'm doing my YouTube videos um and my last video that I recorded it's got all of my angry notes <laughs> on it of things to talk about so I can tell that I have a lot of rage but uh, getting back to the character development that I should have been talking about <laughs> What's interesting is that this chapter really just basically shows that Percy is affected by these things and that he's kind of admitting it to himself in a sense. Like, hearing that his dad believes in him and knowing that his dad does believe in him was clearly really important for him to the point that it's said multiple times. I think it's said twice by the water spirit thing and then also once by Percy and it's kind of what then powers him to go and grab his sword and head back up to the surface 
Like, he may be developing as a character, a hero, and a person, but he is still a kid, and these moments just really show it. I think that's what helps continue to develop his character, is that while he is all of these things, he is a kid, and he's a kid with issues. And so having these developmental points of him struggling with these these parental issues and these emotions that all kids will struggle with and then kind of overcoming them or accepting them or powering with them or through them has the development there because he's doing it. He's actually working through these things or at least accepting them at that moment. And that's, I just think it's really good. And it's just as a whole, it just kind of shows that he is a boy who wants his mother back and his father's approval and that that's not a bad thing it's kind of like positive masculinity in a sense like he is getting a bit emotional he's accepting that he wants all these things i don't know i don't even know how to describe it but yeah no i just thought it was really good that we're getting sort of the child element development as well like he is still a 12 year old child and he has all these things and we're still getting that with not having him suddenly be like seemingly beyond his years because that's not realistic at all he's 12 he's not going to be beyond his years because <laughs> he's 12 so this just it feels more realistic for him as a character I know I basically said the same thing like multiple times but I just really want to drive that point because this is a kid's book and I think this is the thing that loads of people find when they come back to these books is that they find it frustrating that they're kids and I don't get it kids are like this why would you want someone who is a child to act older than they are it just doesn't make any sense and okay i'm going to bring in this thing because you guys know that my well hopefully you do because you should have been subscribed to my youtube channel but i do avatar the last airbender legend of Korra stuff on my channel as well as percy jackson i think this is the thing that i find kind of frustrating about the whole avatar versus Korra sort of thing because firstly it's stupid you can't compare them but to do a to do a little comparison because i'm a hypocrite in Avatar, what I mentioned before about having kids who seem also beyond their years is frustrating because it's just kind of not realistic. While characters like Katara and Sokka have moments of kind of being kid-like, I know it's based on obviously it's like it's war and all that sort of stuff, and I get that there is a bit of a reason. But all the characters seem seemingly beyond their years. Okay, Zuko is a better example, actually. I had no idea that Zuko was 16 years old. I thought he was, like, nearly 20, at least. Other than probably the fact that Aang says, you're just a teenager, so I, I took it down to, like, 18. But he's, like, 15, 16 in the series, but you just wouldn't have guessed it. Even when he joins the group in book three, he just... I don't know, he just seems slightly out of place for me because he just acts like someone like me, someone in their 20s who's jaded and just kind of complains about everything, doesn't like childish sort of things and stuff. I, I say that I love childish things because I am a childish person. But 
it's just it's that oh I always found frustrating like you are 16 years old why are you acting like you're 30 (laughs) okay not 30 that's a stretch but as in like you don't seem like you're 16 years old so it's confusing when you find out that he isn't actually like 15 16 and then Legend of Korra where the characters are 15 16 and they're acting like actual teenagers with romance and kind of love triangles which love triangles are a thing i was in many mainly because i was a hidden homosexual so i would get into love triangles because i knew that i wouldn't ever win in the love triangle because the other person was way better <laughs> and i was also a secret homosexual so there was no chance of me winning so i would get into them for that reason alone um and which kind of works a little bit with legend of Korra, but anyway but those things were so realistic that these teenagers were acting like insolent, annoying, real, angry teenagers. Because that's what teenagers are like. And if they're not, that means I had some really messed up teenage years if that's just what I was like. But for some reason, people really didn't like that with Cora. I'm like, but that's what people are actually like. Avatar it was really different because yeah they were technically forced to grow up before at such a young age but then they also had the childish moment so it was kind of it was a bit more confusing but Percy Jackson is the one series I find that every character who is a child acts like a child I guess I should probably have compared it to Harry Potter because no one in Harry Potter, considering they're 11 years old at the start, acts like an 11-year-old. Like, you just wouldn't be able to figure that they were a child. Like, if we weren't told that they were 11, 100%, I would have thought they were, like, 16 in the first books. 100%. If we were never given an age, I would have thought they were, like, 16, from the way they talked and acted. It just, it, they just don't seem like kids. In Percy Jackson, they do, and for some reason, people really don't like it, and I just don't get why. <laughs> I just kicked the table. Sorry. Um, I just—it's so much more realistic to me to see this child develop and still be a kid and still have to do these things and have that anger and frustration that kids do have when they're being made to do things that they, firstly, they don't want to do, but also isn't their responsibility to do, and all this sort of stuff. I don't know. I just really—I like that element but for some reason people really do dislike it and I don't know I think it's weird that people do I kind of started to do my final summaries of like of the chapters before actually saying I was going to do it so this is just just my overall final thoughts after all of that um but in general I really like when we do go back to these chapter set chapter centric character centric chapters just because well, firstly, in the, this case, it's Percy and Annabeth taking centre... Cent, I can't speak. Centre stage here. In terms of, like, the character and relationships. Which is really good. And it makes them more three-dimensional, in a way, in how they bounce off of each other and how they kind of help develop each other as people and characters. Um, And, yeah, while Chapter 14 was a bit kind of eh... It was still good. Like, it didn't grasp my attention too much, but the moments of Percy being just this scared and sad kid really added more to him as a person. 
and just in general just just these two chapters were just really good like while they're not plot centric and they're all just about character i like that more when we do have a few of those moments of things that aren't plot centric but have character building and developing and it just developing your characters is going to help develop the story as well like Annabeth and Percy's dynamic and how that's changing and how they're understanding each other's limits and expectations is already improving their relationship which later on is going to help when it comes to them having to fight and protect each other and all these sort of things it's going to work in their favor so having these chapters of them developing and building relationships with each other is going to benefit the plot later on which I think is just it's just really useful to have and I think it's just really good writing but yeah that is my overall summary finalization whatever words mean final <laughs> uh for chapter 13 and chapter 14 of Percy Jackson and the lightning thief and now to move on to the segments that I have for this show that I often forget that I've got multiple segments now um so of course before I get to the main one that you guys are all waiting for I have today's song of the story and that is as everyone should have expected to come later well come at some point probably um is the song good kid from Chris McCarroll in the lightning thief musical and honestly kind of just how could I not because firstly good kid is probably literally one of the greatest songs from the lightning thief other than maybe dead on arrival i may bring that up later um and just the song kind of especially for chapter 14 and a little bit of chapter 13 as well kind of reflecting that onto annabeth a little bit actually were kind of good kid in this moment even though the song is for percy in the musical it really also reflects a lot about annabeth too in a way with what she's gone through and what she's felt growing up and to have these things of the fact that they are kids they are dealing with a lot of stuff they are going through some really horrific stuff as a whole to have the song good kid represent that i think is something that is realistic because good kid is a song that is talking about someone who's trying so hard but it's just not going his way and that's just percy annabeth and just the trio in general they're trying so hard but it's just not going their way and so yes good kid from the lightning thief musical is the song of the story but to what you guys are always waiting for it is the question of the episode and of course we start with well not last week because we had a bonus episode last week but with last episode last time's question of the episode which was what mythological story do you think should have been explored or improved on in the Ryolden verse now from megan nuke we have the story of orpheus and eurydice is pretty cool and the one about cupid and psyche now cupid and i think i've probably read about all of these now i can't remember now um (laughs) I do agree with that. I think those would have been ones that would have been interesting to have, especially Cupid and Psyche. I know we get Cupid in future, and honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of the portrayal of Cupid that we do get later on. But um, yeah, no, I I would like some more original sort of 
stories like ones that people probably wouldn't know as well to be in the Ryan verse would be a lot more interesting I think you know I like that um then from Aman Singh I hope I said that right I apologize if I haven't uh, they say you know Trigon and I, again I hope that I'm saying that right <laughs> um I read that in Circe by Madeline Miller I've actually got that book I'm hoping if it's not too adult rated I may do it anyway uh, to do an episode on that a bonus episode in future on Circe by Madeline Miller um in that it says one scratch from Trigon would kill a mortal and injure a god and can't be healed and no one even considered that as an option neither Cronus nor demigods now that is interesting I feel was Trigon ever brought I feel like I know that name from the books but I may be thinking of someone else but that does actually sound like a really cool thing to have been brought up in the books it's either as a villain or as yeah no no I like that I like that I wish that was explored now actually um and then from Kieran Padron again hoping that said right uh this isn't a mythological story but I would have liked to see the other side of the second titan war spoilers ahead slightly for Heroes of Olympus the Roman side maybe your book or two of the Roman raid on Mount Tam Okay, so in Heroes of Olympus, and again, spoilers here, it's all about Roman demigods and the Roman side. And they had their own version of the Titan War. Um, so what Kieran is basically saying here, it would have been interesting to have that side of the Titan War explored as well. And I agree, I think that would be really quite cool. Maybe, uh, I know there's a discussion that's happened of sort of one-shot books on different characters and different stories. So maybe you'll get like a flashback one of that as like a bonus thing. That'd be pretty cool but again to what you guys have all been waiting for it is today's question of the episode and today's question is why do you think that percy and most demigods are in desperate want of their godly parents approval slash attention and that is the question of the episode and of course if you have your answers and your thoughts as to the question you can email us you can dm us or when the post goes live on our instagram and our twitter you can comment on that picture or post and let us know your thoughts for them to be read out in next week's episode but speaking of that i want to thank you all for joining me today for chapters 13 and 14 be sure to join me next wednesday to continue our Ryorden first journey to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify where you should drop a follow apple podcast where you need to leave a rating and a review audio boom stitcher where you can also leave a rating and a review and deezer in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter and on tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com if you want to email me with your own thoughts you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and i will read it out at the end of the show if you want to support me making this content i have also linked my patreon which is predominantly set up for my youtube channel but may soon include podcast elements too on that note be sure to check out my youtube channel a healthy dose of fran for more percy jackson content and drop me a follow at a healthy dose of fran on instagram and at a dose of fran on twitter 
again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, I have been Fran, your very own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Toodles. <laughs>